All right, we are back on another edition of the Sensational Sports Trio, and there's a lot of things that we need to talk about today, and we're going to get to all of it. We have the potential possibility where both New York baseball teams could be out of the playoffs, <laughs> and then we have another possibility where the Baltimore Orioles and the Miami Marlins could be in the playoffs. We have never said those words on the show in the past three years of show <laughs> has even existed. We have a lot of things to talk about, but first... Liam brought it up to you before the show. I'm going to talk about it briefly. And that, of course, is fan favorite of NASCAR. Bubba Wallace is leaving the 43 car, which he's been driving in since he's been up in the top NASCAR series, which is the NASCAR Cup Series. He does not have a win in the NASCAR Cup Series. He has wins which are in the minor leagues, if you want to call it, which is the Truck Series, which if you want to get technical, the Truck Series is like double A for NASCAR. You have the Dirt and Arca cars, which are like single A. Then you have the truck, which is double-A, Xfinity, which is triple-A, and so forth, right? So he's never had a win here. But he's leaving the 43. I'm not honestly surprised by that, only because of the fact is that I was telling Liam that the team he's formerly on, Richard Petty Motorsports, which he's going to be driving on for the next nine races throughout the course of the season, is almost like the Oakland Athletics and Tampa Bay Rays. They are a low-budget team. They do not have the, the funding profit to go up against the heavy drivers like a Jimmy Johnson, like I'm going to use Kevin Harvick for an example. They race for Stewart Haas Racing, which is owned by Tony Stewart, and they uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this guy because you're a big NFL fan. Is the name Joe Gibbs sound yeah. familiar? Yes. He's a longtime Washington, uh, formerly Washington Redskins coach, mm-hmm. Super Bowl champion. He owns four NASCAR cars. Yeah. Four of the best drivers that are racing today. Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and now Christopher Bell, who's taking over next year. So those obviously are the high-market teams. Then you have the lower-tier teams that don't have a lot of money to spend, so that's why he's leaving. And he, he's, he's a very good driver, just he cannot win because his car is not so fast. But that's the Bubba Wallace story. Um, there's a lot of questions. Will he get another professional job? I think so. But as of right now, there's only two spots opening right now, and that is going to be the 95 of the Levine family. And I believe it's going to be the 13 for Ty Dillon who's leaving. But maybe he gets a spot. Ho- hope so. He- he's very good. So he's what they call a free agent now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But we have a lot more bigger fish to fry. So let's kick it off. Liam, let's start with you. The New York Mets. Listen, your podcast got me going because I feel the same way about how my New York baseball team is doing right now. We cannot seem to find a win. And I was telling myself, I put it on Facebook and you reacted to it, Liam. If you are the New York Yankees. A historic franchise like the Yankees, who have not had a season where they finished below 500 since 1992. If you miss the playoffs where essentially every team makes it, there's no way in hell I'm bringing Aaron Boone back. Listen, he won 100 games his first year. He won 103 last year with an injured roster. I, to me, that doesn't matter. You're the New York freaking Yankees. If you miss the playoffs where eight teams get in, the manager does not come back. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I think you make a great point. Clearly, ever since, you know, you're going back to about a month and a half ago, the Yankees have been struggling mightily. And, you know, I know a lot of Yankee fans and a lot of baseball critics around the game like to say that the Yankees are injured. But that's the way they were last season. And like you just mentioned, the Yankees reeled in over 100 wins last year. And this year, it's not even close uh, to the same type of production. And I think you have to look at the manager, Aaron Boone. And the one thing that really stands out to me uh, is the mismanagement of the bullpen. And I haven't seen too many Yankee games, you know, outside of the ones where they obviously they played the Mets. Uh, But from what I've seen, just some questionable decisions from Aaron Boone that nearly 
cost them, uh, you know, a good amount of games against the Mets. And if only the Mets' bullpen wasn't so bad, the Yankees probably would have lost those games. Uh, and then they go to Toronto in their last series. I believe they lost two out of three. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. And now... Toronto holds the number two spot in the American League East. They're two games up on the Yankees. Tampa Bay is six games up on the Yankees. And get this, that's even after Tampa Bay losing two games in a row. They're still six games up. And in the Baltimore Orioles, they sit a game and a half behind from knocking the New York Yankees out of the playoffs. I'm stunned. I am stunned, I am shocked, and you have to put the blame on the manager because where else can you put it? Are you going to put it on the bats? Are you going to put it on the bullpen? Surely the bullpen hasn't been as consistent as it was, but you know it's still a very, one of the top bullpens in the league, if not the American League uh, as well. The starting rotation, I think, you know, it's been mumbled together. I think the emergence of Debbie Garcia has been very much a positive. And you look at the game yesterday where the Yankees really, really needed a win, and Debbie Garcia went out there and got it for them. I think this falls on Aaron Boone. I think this is a massive disappointment, and quite frankly. The Yankees went into this year with the same mindset as the Los Angeles Dodgers. We built this team so high, so stacked, that it's World Series or bust. And if they don't make the playoffs, never mind not make you know the championship series or the World Series, Aaron Boone is a goner. I agree with you. Yeah, I want to get Corey's take on this, but I, I you know, if even if they make the playoffs, if they lose in a wild card, how could you bring him back? You know, he was gifted. When they got Giancarlo Stanton in 2018, he had the easiest job in the planet. Just write the names on the lineup card. Write them on the lineup card and talk to your pitching coach about who to bring in and what situation. It's a one-run game at the time. The Yankees have a 6-2 lead. 6-2. And you have arrested bullpen. Arrested Zach Britton. Arrested Chad Green. Arrested Ottavino. Arrested Chapman. And who does he turn to in relief? Luis Sessa who has a career 5 ERA. Not the top guys, not the guys who they were brought in to bring in here, but Luis Sessa. And listen, I understand. People want to make the excuses in 60 games that doesn't count. Tell that to the Dodgers. Tell that to the Minnesota Twins or the Cleveland Indians who traded away their best pitcher, Mike Clevenger, and are still in first place. Go ahead, tell it to the Baltimore Orioles or the Miami Marlins right now who are saying, you know what? The Yankees are... Crap in the bed. We got a shot here. And I can't believe I'm saying this. But right now on September 10th, the Yankees have a three-game series with the Baltimore Orioles starting today. This could determine if they're in the playoffs or not in the playoffs right now. That's a, that's a crazy thing to say. The Yankees and Orioles in a series that could determine who makes the playoffs. I mean, yeah, it's been very disappointing. And last week I came out and I said, as long as they make the playoffs, which they're almost a shoe-in to make, They'll be fine, but even if they make the playoffs as an eight seed, I, I'm losing Tampa. confidence. They got to play Tampa. They, they would play Tampa, who's currently the one seed, or a team like the White Sox, Indians, Athletics, Twins. All those guys are up there, and they've had much better season. And there is uh, an aspect of momentum going into the playoffs. And if you're the well, they Yankees, just they just postponed today's game. So Kraftgat tomorrow <laughs> starts a better. doubleheader with the Orioles, and they, they never win. Both games of the doubleheader. So now a series where you thought you could possibly sweep them. Now you got to play two games in a row, seven inning games, and then another game. Then the Yankees aren't going to win. They're going to lose two out of three, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, and there is a part of momentum going into the playoffs. So they make it as an eight seed, which they are right now. 
you don't have the momentum. They're on a losing streak, and if they don't turn things around, they're not going to be able to win the first series with playing the best team in the AL when you're just, you're just disappointing all season long. And you can't say excuse. the excuse is injuries because like Will and like you and Liam both said, they were injured last year, and they were perfectly fine. Only lost to the Astros, who we know that whole situation, but... In this season does count. You can't use that excuse either. I mean, everything you saying, you said, I'm just echoing. But the Dodgers are fine. The, twins, the teams the that Indians. should be good are fine, except for the New York Yankees, who, on paper, have the second most talented team in the MLB. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> right now, you want to say that the team is deathly injured? You could say it because the fact that they have Luke Voigt hitting second on a daily basis is not a positive for the Yankees. <laughs> Where and Clint Frazier is hitting fourth. Is not a positive for the Yankees. But when the pitching is good, the hitting is bad. When the hitting is bad, the pitching is good. It never, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. And Liam, the same thing goes with your Mets, and I want you to talk about it. The New York Mets came into this season with an aspiration to win. They went out and they bolstered their rotation. Even last year, they went out and they traded for Marcus Stroman, who at the time was a very good decision. They missed the playoffs by a smidgen last, last season. And now they go in the offseason and they acquire guys like Rick Porcello. They acquire guys like Michael Waka. They acquire these and acquire Dylan Batansis. Guys who have the winning mentality. The Mets went into the season with the same aspect to make the playoffs. And here we are sitting today where the Yankees and the Mets might not make it. I mean, I think the Yankees will make it. It's just Yankee bias coming out here. But the team that, I mean, the Orioles, the, the, the team that scares me that's in the hunt right now is the Houston Astros. Because the Seattle Mariners yeah. are breathing down their neck right now for the second place spot in the American League West. And the Houston Astros, will be the te- out of all the teams to knock the Yankees out, it's going to be them. It, just, you just know that. I just realized that, too. I just realized that the Astros are out of the playoffs right now. One of those teams is go- currently going to miss the playoffs yeah. unless... I mean, I don't buy the, the Orioles. Blue Jays fall off. I don't buy the Orioles. I buy the Blue Jays. They're a very good the young team. The only way that both of those teams make the playoffs is that I see right now is that the Blue Jays fall off because every other team is miles ahead of them. Liam, and that's I mean, crazy to think. Do about. you like same thing with the Mets right now? These teams came in with aspirations to win, and it, it, it nothing is clicking. Last oh. night, last night the Mets almost had a heartbreaker again. They fall behind badly early in the game. They come back. Conforto makes an unbelievable catch, and again, Edwin Diaz almost blows the game. Yeah, well, absolutely. And before I dive into the Mets, I just want to make one more quick note on the Yankees. And as if the injuries weren't enough of a detriment to this team, just look at who has been on the field and how they've been performing. Harry Sanchez, is he still batting under 150? Yes. I gotta believe that he is. Yes. Miguel Andujar, their top prospect, one of their top prospects just a couple of years ago, a guy that Yankee fans expected to see explode onto the offensive scene. He's going back and forth between the alternate site and the major league site. Garrett Cole, who you signed to that massive deal, has been the Pittsburgh Pirates' Garrett Cole. So not only is it bad managing, not only is it injuries, but it's also your top players not performing like your top players. So there's a lot of things that go into this downward spiral for the Yankees. Uh, however, 
going into the Mets, a very similar situation. Obviously, the Mets did not have the same lofty expectations uh, that the New York Yankees had going into this season. But they had expectations. Obviously, when Noah Syndergaard went down with Tommy John surgery, that hurt. But like you mentioned, Brody Ben Wagenen went out and decided to go get Rick Porcello and Mark, uh, Rick Porcello and Michael Walker. Rick Porcello, and Will, I texted you this yesterday, and I truly believe it. Rick Porcello is the worst starting pitcher <laughs> to ever sport a New York Mets uniform. I have zero confidence every time he goes out and toes the slap. <laughs> zero confidence. He's absolutely terrible. All his pitches are left completely up and in the zone, ready to get clobbered by hitters. And when you have a young team like the Baltimore Orioles, who hit so well and are so underrated on the offensive end, and you have them put up five runs against Rick Porcello in the first inning and two-thirds, that's embarrassing. That's absolutely embarrassing. Uh, the fact that the Mets came back to win that game last night, I'm very thankful for, and it kept alive any very, very slim hopes that the Mets had uh, a habit of making the postseason rather alive. And I think it was a nice, resilient win. I think you see Pete Alonso with the go-ahead home run in the bottom of the eighth. That unbelievable catch by Michael Conforto. And anything that me, Will, or Corey says uh, about that catch will not do it justice. If you have not seen it, go watch it yourself. It is that good. It is clearly the defensive play uh, of the year for the New York Mets. Might be up there in all of baseball, although there have been a couple of tremendous uh, defensive plays. Yeah. As far as the Mets, you got to fix the pitching. You got to fix the bullpen. The fact that Dylan Patances came in and was signed, you know, as a show me deal, and he's been healthy for about thirty percent of the games that the Mets have had this season. And when he has been in, he's been all over the place with his command. That's embarrassing. Steve Cohen is coming in to save us, and during the off season. He's going to re-sign Michael Conforto. He's going to sign JT Real Muto. And Brody Van Wagenen is going to get shown the door along with Luis Rojas. There you go. Well, Liam, I was just going to ask you that question. I mean, Brody Van Wagenen came into this season, and we never spoke about the fact how Brody Van Wagenen was Joanna Cespedes' agent at one point, years back. And he negotiated... This deal with the Mets at that time, Sandy Alderson, and here we have now Yoena Cespedes saying, I don't want to play for him anymore because the, the money he promised me I'd get, he doesn't want to pay me anymore. And listen, Liam, I understand the Mets were in a very crisis position when they got rid of Carlos Beltran and they had to fill the void of a manager as soon as they possibly can. But... Do you really think that when Steve Cohen comes in here, the first move he's going to make is getting rid of, of, of the general manager who's been here for two years, that he's brought... And listen, the, you know, the players are not his fault. The only reason why he took Robinson Cano from the Mariners was because it would get the contract of the Mariners' hands and it would get them Edwin Diaz, who in my opinion has been... He, he's looked a lot better this year. And I get it. You know, the Jed Lowry signing looks really bad right now, where they have no idea if he's even starting baseball activities, but at the time they signed him, he was one of the better utility men that they were. And WFAN host uh, Evan Roberts, who's a Met fan, when they signed Jed Lowry, said, I would take Jed Lowry over DJ LeMahieu. Obviously now, that's not the case, but Jed Lowry was a really good player back at Oakland, so the moves he's made... Hasn't really been all on him, but I understand what you're saying. But maybe you give Brady Van a, a, a another chance. I think you give him another chance because losing Syndergaard is not his fault. Stroman opting out is not his fault. 
I mean, Jacob DeGrom is at another planet right now. I mean, that's how good he is. But the players he's brought in haven't lived up to the expectation, including Dellin Batances, who was a, you know. So, you know, that's, listen, I think he's done a lot of good moves for the Mets. But like you said, Liam, it may be time when Cohen comes in and he's going to clean house completely. And it may be 60 games and done for Luis Rojas. Hey, Will, Corey. You want to scare a New York Mets fan? Just say the name Jared Kelnick, and that will scare the absolute Jesus out of any New York Mets fan. He was the top prospect in the Mets system, and he was moved for the Robinson Cano contract. And, Will, you make a good point when you say that they took on that contract to get Edwin Diaz. And at the time, I was upset about it, but now I'm even more upset about it. Brody is a decent general manager. He's an agent turned GM, obviously with his time with, uh, excuse me, with Joanna Sesmus and working out that contract. But I think you said it right in your take, Will. I think Steve Cohen's going to take over this team, and he's going to strip it down. I think manager out. This is strictly as a result of this season. Manager out. Brody out. Maybe he might deserve a second chance, but we cannot afford to wonder what if. We need to get a guy with experience in that role. That goes for the general manager. That goes for the manager of the ball club. Luis Rojas's inexperience has cost us many, many games this season. Brody Van Wagenen's inexperience and making dumbfounded trades have set us back for years to come. I don't want to hear that he deserves a second chance. Brody <laughs> might, might be a nice guy, but you know what? Steve Cohen's coming in. He's coming in with a boatload of money, and he's coming in to make this Mets team better. And look, as far as the starting rotation, as bad as it's been this season, we are going to get help next year. Marcus Stroman comes back. Well, I'm not sure about his contract status. He actually may be a free agent, but I'm sure he wants to re-sign with the Mets. Noah Syndergaard comes back with Tommy John surgery. Maybe you get a rebound from Steven Matz. You get you send Michael Waka and Rick Porcello to the moon, and you get a young guy uh, to replace him in the number five spot. I think the rotation is going to be okay. Maybe get a low-risk starting pitcher, but not Rick Porcello or Michael Waka. Please, please, no. Uh, <laughs> and you got to get a starting catcher. And with the big uh, bag of money that Steve Cohen has, I think it's JT Real Muto or bust. Uh, Wilson Ramos, I believe, has a club option at the end of the season. No, you are not picking that up, Brody, as bad as he's been uh, defensively. And uh, on offense, he's providing absolutely nothing. He's like a double-play machine. He grounds out to third base about 90% of his at-bats. Go get the big fish. Go become the big market team. Go get JT Real Muto. Go get some bullpen depth and become a top National League contender. Because let me tell you, with this team the way it is and how young and talented they are, we are wasting prime years of these young players uh, absolutely coming into superstardom. I'll just name a few. Michael Conforto, superstar. He's batting 350 this season. His defense is impeccable. Andres Jimenez came up as a shortstop prospect for the Mets. He's been in the system for a little while now. I have never seen defense like that out of a Mets shortstop. Yes, even better than Jose Reyes. Better, marginally better than Ahmed Rosario. Pete Alonso, who continues to put up a, a, an immense amount of home runs, even if his batting average isn't showing it. Sign the young guys, get a strong mix of veteran and young players, and go win a World Series. Steve Cohen, he has a big opportunity here to turn this team and this franchise around. And Will, Corey, it all starts 
when stripping it down from head to toe. Luis Rojas, here's the door. Brody Van Wagenen, here's the door. JT Realmuto, here's your contract. Yeah, um, when you think about wasting prime years of players, I can't help but draw the similarity that we've already made to the Yankees. I mean, even more so, I'd say the Yankees are wasting prime years. We talked about their signing of Garrett Cole and how they had max probably five years of all of those players at once. The goal was to win this year. Yeah, (laughs) or probably within three years, I'd say, is a fair estimate that you need a championship. And this year of all years should have been... A contending year, and I have to go back on something I said earlier. I said both the Yankees and Astros are currently out. They're both currently in. The Astros and Yankees are currently the worst two teams in the AL that are in, but they are both in right now. But, as we know, the Yankees are one and a half games ahead of the Orioles for that last spot. The Mariners are two games behind the Astros, and we don't know what could happen. Both could miss. I don't think they do, but... I mean, this season, neither of those teams have lived up to expectations, especially the Yankees. I expected growing pains with the Astros, but the Yankees, I'd say they're much more disappointing than the Mets. I think the Mets are always on that, you know, borderline borderline playoff team, but they're also younger than the Yankees, and they could have a bigger future in a few years, although they they should be better than they are right now. They're in a tough division. A lot lot of things that aren't quite going right. Jacob DeGrom is not going to be the dominant DeGrom for much longer. You <laughs> That's know, true. That's somebody true. tweeted this morning that Clayton Kershaw is only two months older, I believe two months older, than Jacob DeGrom, wow. and it seems like one of them has been in the league forever. Wow. You know? And well, yeah. I mean, DeGrom well, didn't really come on the scene until... Like 25, four, 26. Four yeah. years ago or so. But like, uh, you know... Four years ago when he, he won... He burst on the scene. Yeah, he just said 2014, Jacob DeGrom in his big league debut. And he wasn't Jacob DeGrom. No, then. he was not. <laughs> and, you know, perfect example. that If the Nets want to win a World Series, they're going to need Jacob DeGrom to be Jacob DeGrom. And if they yeah. wait two years, he may not be the same pitcher. He's the best pitcher in baseball, hands down. He might win his third Cy Young in a row. Would not surprise me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Liam said, <laughs> if there was a time where Steve Cohen needed to come in to the Mets, it's right now. And they need all the help they could possibly get. And I think, when it, you know, with an experienced manager, maybe they consider Alex Cora. Maybe they consider A.J. Hinch because they're going to be available. Buck Showalter, perfect example. He may be available uh, at, at, at some point. So... The, the, they have a bright future, and I think next year, if they don't make it this year, it's next year, you know, they will go all in. And let's get... And you know, Will, just one more thing on Jacob DeGrom, just before we move on to a different section or a different sport. Um, I have to vehemently disagree with what you're saying, that after two years, Jacob DeGrom will not be the, the same Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom is going to age, and he has aged like fine wine. He is going to be spectacular for years to come. Jacob DeGrom, since 2014, here's an interesting stat for you. His velocity on his fastball went from 95. He now averages around 100 miles an hour on his fastball. He hits the gun at 102 at this, at this day and age, at his age right now. I disagree. I think Jacob DeGrom is going to be... Terrific. Maybe not the best pitcher on the planet, but terrific and good enough to win the World Series for the next five years. And yeah. a quick note hey, about Jacob. Yeah. Uh, you Darvish. 
uh, has uh, kind of solidified himself out of the National League as the top contender uh, for the Cy Young. And, Will, you mentioned that he might be heading towards his th- third straight Cy Young, that being Jacob deGrom. Uh, Darvish didn't get shelled last night, but he did give up an early three-run homer to Mike Moustakis, and that uh, moved his ERA up from 1.6 around to 1.76. And now Jacob deGrom is at 1.69. The win-loss record is decent. It's 3-1 and one in a shortened season. If you can get yourself to 5-6 wins, I think that's good enough uh, to win uh, Cy Young. I think Jacob. I think it's Jacob deGrom to lose. I really do. Third straight Cy Young. I'm going to age like fine wine. Go back to this episode five years from now, gentlemen. That it stands true. Yeah, I mean, and you compared him to Clayton Kershaw, but I don't think Clayton Kershaw has quite fallen off yet. I mean, he's still, he's he's really underrated at this point in his career because he's not the crazy right. dominant Clayton Kershaw, but he's posting a 1.98 ERA this right season. Wow. And he posted 3.03 on his season that he quote-unquote fell off, but that was not... I mean, Walker Bueller may be outshining him, or not necessarily outshining him even, but he's, may get more attention yeah. now because he's the young star. But Clayton Kershaw is still very good. And, yeah, you mentioned Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander, or Will at least did, um, Justin Verlander is, was 37 years old and dominating the MLB. Um, a guy, and I'd say Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, and more recently Max Scherzer have yeah. been the three most dominant pitchers and Max Scherzer is also older than Clayton Kershaw and Jacob DeGrom. He's 34 last year when he posted a 2.92 ERA. 3.4 this year is a bit of an offseason for him, but, I mean, those guys, pitchers don't age bad usually. If right. they're elite pitchers, usually can last till 35, 36, 37 if you're really good. Maybe, maybe, Tigers, maybe not the Tigers version of Verlander, but this yeah. version of Verlander. Exactly. One more thing. Uh... Only one pitcher has a better earned run average since Jacob DeGrom made his major league debut in 2014. That pitcher is Clayton Kershaw. Just wanted to put that out there. Wow. Well, Pretty good company. Yeah. So that'll, that'll do it on the baseball front. Let's talk now a little bit before we have to end the show about the NFL. And, of course, the NFL season oh, is yeah. picking up right now. We have game one, week one. Uh, starting tonight, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, who are my prediction to go back to the Super Bowl. Um, and against the Houston Texans, who I think are a very underrated, sneaky, good team. Now, you, they want to criticize all they want. They traded away their best wide receiver. I don't know how they couldn't afford him. He signed a two-year, $54 million contract. It, it does make sense. It does but... not make sense, and he got him for a bag of peanuts, which also makes zero sense. And, Corey, we've spoken about this multiple times on the show with Liam. Is this the, the year that Bill O'Brien has to elevate his team to be shown the door. We say it year after yeah, year that, I think so. that Bill O'Brien has to do something with this team. Liam and I said it about John Cooper and the Lightning. If, if the Lightning don't make it to the Stanley Cup Final or win it, John Cooper could be shown the door. Same thing with Bill O'Brien. Now, I don't think the Texans are going to go to the Super Bowl this year. There's too many good teams out there that could make it. I put the Bills in the conversation before I put the Texans because of Stefan Diggs and, and Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But... Bill O'Brien, we've been talking about this. It's so much hype in the regular season, and it's awful in the playoffs. Dreadful. Mm, and now yeah. I want to talk about the New York Jets. <laughs> they asked Adam Gase a question today, and they said, Adam, you don't throw the ball past a third down marker. You know, what do you think could be done about that? He goes, it's, it, it's up to our quarterback to find the wide receivers on first and second down, so we don't have to do that on what third down. What if you down. run the ball on second and ten? Listen, I mean, they have Le'Veon Bell, who is one of the best running backs in the game. Obviously, he's tailed off a little bit from what he was in Pittsburgh, but the fact that he's saying that, I'm like, you're the ones that are calling the plays. Like, 
You're an offensive-minded head coach. You outrule the offensive coordinator. How are you, as a coach, going to blame your player for that? That's just the worst thing. Why would you... The coach is supposed to take the blame in any situation. Yeah, he was like last year, you know, we didn't execute on first and second down, which resulted us in failing on third downs. He was even the most failed third down team in the NFL. That's because he doesn't throw the ball past the first down marker. There's not two downs. There's if, three downs, if it's, four downs if, for a reason. If, it's, if it's third and 12, if it's it. third and 12, Adam Gase will throw a wide receiver screen yeah. to Robbie Anderson. That's how he used Devontae Parker. A big-bodied, tall, great jump ball receiver. He threw screens passes to him. I don't know. Liam, week one starts on today. The Jets start Sunday. I mean, this is it for Adam Gates. It has to be. It has to be. You cannot have – but again, they yeah. have no help on offense. They just said today that Denzel Mims, who had a full practice yesterday, Adam Gates goes, he looks great. He looks great. We're excited to see him in week one. Today he goes – he may not travel with the team. He re-aggravated his, uh, re his calf. So Sam Darnold is going to throw to Chris Herndon, who I think is spectacular. He, he, he's a very good underrated wide, uh, tight end. And he's going to throw to the corpse of Brashard Perryman. Liam, how, how do you expect the Jets to win games like this when they end this falls on the shoulders of the general manager? Listen, I don't think Adam Gase is you know, the right guy for the job here, but he doesn't have much help with the wide receivers that they have currently. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I was just about to bring up Rashad Perryman because I think it was a very good pickup uh, for this New York Jets team. Now, are they relatively thin at the wide receiver spot uh, as a result of that? Absolutely. But let me tell you why I have some hope for the New York Jets. And, you know, amid all the negativity around the New York Jets, it's good to hear some hope. Now, number one is the emergence of Mekhi Becton. Mekhi Becton obviously drafted uh, in the first round from the New York Jets. He could provide an impact on that offensive line, I believe offensive line, uh, for this team. And remember, the Jets went 1-7 to begin last season. They went 6-2 and two the rest yeah. of the way. You can't, I don't really think that you can discount that. Now, yes, last year they had guys like Quincy Inunua and uh, Jamal Adams and, you know, a bunch of other pieces that really helped them, you know, in the second half of last year. But I believe in Sam Darnold. I know I said it in past episodes. It's do, it's do or bust here. It's for uh, for Sam Darnold. It's time to show me what you got. But he doesn't have a lot of help. It's been that way Max for years now. And I mean, yeah. I don't. I get he doesn't have help, and he still doesn't have help. So I just I guess there's a lot of potential. But how long until it's just you gotta move on? The Buffalo Bills if noticed. Pops this year, I say this is the last year. Okay, that, that's what I'd say. The Buffalo Bills noticed that Josh Allen didn't have much help. What did they do? They went out and they acquired Stefan Diggs. That was their big piece. Yeah. They drafted Sammy Watkins back when they had EJ Manuel and Tyrod Taylor to be their franchise wide receiver. And of course, it goes with the Mahomes system in Kansas City and lights the world on fire. But they, this is their guy. Josh Allen has a guy to throw the ball to. Unfortunately for Sam Jones, who I mean, they do have Chris Hogan, who's a Super Bowl champion, but are you really going to trust the, you know, the corpse of Brashad Perryman for the New York Jets? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And when they let Robbie Anderson go, that was possibly the biggest regret this team could have made. And if Denzel Mims cannot play on Sunday, 0-1. Yeah. We'll see you for, for week two. The Bills, their defense, I mean... Trey White is a great cornerback, and he doesn't even have a challenge this week. That uh, Their defense is very strong, and it's going to be tough for Sam Darnold. I mean, yes, you have Mekhi Becton now. You have Connor McGlover. 
uh, I believe, oh gosh, something like that. <laughs> you signed this offseason, and you you reinforced the offensive line, but their defensive line is strong, although they lost a few guys. They've also, they, they have a good defensive line. They have and, a good and system. And the safety position is not as good as it was with Jamal Lowndes, and Marcus May uh -huh. is a very reliable piece at safety. Now, we go to the other New York team, which is the New York Giants, and they are a complete dumpster fire. Um, I would take, arguably. I would say Sam Darnold or Daniel Jones will have a better year than Sam Darnold only because of the fact that he has wide receivers to throw the ball to. He yeah. has Golden Tate. He has Sterling Shepard. He has Evan Ingram. He has Saquon Barkley. This is a good giant offense, but they will have nothing to do with it with the miserable offensive line, the miserable mm -hmm. defense. It's going to be the same story in New York football for 17 weeks. The New York Jets and New York Giants lose again. Yeah. Monday headline. The other side of the story, the Miami Dolphins right now, they're going to finish second in the AFC East. <laughs> really? Second. I'll take it. I mean, I'd love first, but that's a long shot. I think it's the Bills. Bills. Patriots, it's, it's, I don't count It's the in. Bills division to lose. The Patriots, although you don't want to count out Bill Belichick, and Cam they lost so many pieces on their defense. Jamie Collins, Kyle, Kyle Van Noy. They, they are in shambles. Those two guys... Really, man, the front seven. They have Stefan Gilmore and Devin McCourty in their secondary. So they have a strong secondary. But other than that, it's not the same. They lost their starting center. They've lost, obviously, I mean, Tom Brady. Um, but they do have Cam Newton. They, but again, he hasn't played a full season in many, in, in a, you know, in, in a few years. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I like Cam Newton, but I don't think he's enough. I mean, that team was carried by their defense last year. And I can't emphasize enough that they lost. Pieces, key pieces to their they defense. They also lost key pieces to the running game on defense, too. You notice yeah. what, in, in order to beat the Patriots last year, the Tennessee Titans ran Derrick Henry down their throat. They could not contain the running game, and they lost more pieces to that. So if, if you're a team, especially in the AFC East, where you play them twice a year, mm -hmm. and you have guys of the liking of Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, both on the Jets, by the way. Yeah. And I don't know who the Bills running back is, but I'm losing him off the top of my head. Oh, I'm Dev uh, Dante Hightower also opted out this right. season. So another linebacker lost for this team. You can continue. Yeah, course, but, but like... Liam, I'm going to get your take on this, too, that this is the Bills' division to win, obviously. They're the best team in the AFC East. Can't believe we're even saying that. But, did, I mean, did the Jets stand a chance here uh, with the Dolphins and the Patriots? I mean, I think at the end of the day, like you mentioned last year, the Jets finished 6-2 and two to end the year last year. And if they would have won week one, which they should have won, and if Sandal does not get mono, they may beat the Browns in week two. They may be a 9-7 and seven team last year. And maybe they don't have this big outburst. So, I think the Bills win the division. But, Liam, you know, this is the year for the Jets. And can they beat the Patriots twice a year? Can they beat the Dolphins twice a year? What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, for me and the Jets, it's all about just carrying the momentum from the end of last year onto this one. And like you said, they have a lot of things going against them, but they also have a lot of things going for them. They have uh, a rejuvenated offensive line to protect Sam Darnold. They have Sam Darnold healthy, presumably, hopefully, for an entire season. You know, they have Kai Beckton, like I said, like I mentioned before, who's going to help out. And I expect, and Will, let me get your take on this as a Jets fan, I think Le'Veon Bell's going to have a bounce back here, and he's not going to be as bad as he was yeah. last season. And as far as an outlook for the AFC East, uh, I think it's going to be the Bills, the Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. Oh, God. Yeah. Listen, that's probably going to be the reality of it. 
That's what's likely going to happen. You and can't. You can't have any hope. You can't. Unfortunately, you can't. Same for the Knicks, and same for the Mets. And, and that's what I have too. Obviously, I have a little bit of bias coming into it. I want the Dolphins to succeed. You know, they're still. They still have some places to improve. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't. <laughs> isn't a great quarterback. He has his yeah, but moments, but this is where he can win. But you did know, you, and Tua I mean, isn't. When he's when, not going to go off rookie year. When Flores said Fitzpatrick was going to be the starter, were you as surprised as I was? Because no. I'm like they, you know, they waited they, for this. Like they tanked at the at the end of the season for this yeah, you know, specific but, player. You know, Fitzpatrick. He won the games at the end of the season. He he he's serviceable still. He's a veteran. He's going to teach Tua a lot of things. And Tua, you know, we don't want to rush him out there. He's off of a, a huge injury where he's recovered a lot faster, but. I think we run the table with with Fitzpatrick. See how that works out. This isn't put, the year we're going to win the Super Bowl, so it's not worth. Do you put Tua, Tua? Do you put Tua in a garbage game situation where if For the score is lopsided and it's like forty-one to seven, it's and it's the fourth quarter? Do you put Tua in that situation just to get some professional it, it, snaps? Because keep in mind, if we're there gonna, is no preseason this year, so. The rookie quarterbacks yeah. like Tua and Joe Burrow have never stepped on an NFL field for even preseason. So, do you put them in if it's like week sixteen and they're like four and nine or whatever think, it is? I think he'll be starting by then, honestly. Unless Fitzpatrick is really good, I think he'll be starting at that point because we just want to give him some reps. You know, we might be in the playoff hunt even with the seventeen playoff this year. That's um, right. Man. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and knowing the Jets, they'd miss that too. <laughs> they would miss that too. And um. Uh, you know, if we're getting crushed and the offensive line is giving up sacks, you don't want to put Tua in there. So if it's that type of situation, I wouldn't want Tua to go in the game because of his injury risk because you just don't want a rookie quarterback getting attacked by the defensive line play after play after play. That's not the experience they need. So, you know, the Dolphins added a lot of pieces, a lot of developmental, you know, depth pieces this summer, um, you know, especially to their defense. And... Tua has Devontae Parker, who could continue his breakout, I hope. Preston Williams, another tall receiver. They have a lot of speed on that offense. They traded for Lynn Bowden Jr. from the Raiders, a third-round pick. They drafted Malcolm Perry in the sixth round. They have some talent, you know, not nothing over the top outside of maybe their secondary. But I like the way it's being built. There's still some pieces needed, but, you know, I'm optimistic for the future. It's not this year. That's why I'm saying don't risk Tua, because we're not going to win the Super Bowl this year by any means. This is I the mean, Trevor Lawrence. Awesome, but this seriously. is the Trevor Lawrence draft year as well. Um, yeah. This is the year where teams that need a quarterback, and I expect the Patriots to be in that category too. Yeah. I mean, if you're Bill Belichick, obviously he wants to win. I he think... wants he wants to prove he can win without Tom Brady. But if if you are a team, and I'm gonna put in the Green Bay Packers in a situation where they drafted Jordan Love, this could be the end of the line for Aaron Rodgers. But if you were a team, I'm gonna say like the New York Jets because this could be a situation where. If they're in the situation to get Trevor Lawrence, do they draft him? Do they? And listen, we want to talk about the Jets' loyalty to Sam Darnold. They drafted a 22-year-old quarterback in the fourth round when they have a backup quarterback already on the team. They drafted James Morgan out of yeah. out of FIT. So, like, what's the dynamic there? I'll never get it. So we'll end the show here. My Super Bowl prediction: I don't think the 49ers have have as good as a year as they did. Um, usually you see it that the team that does it win the Super Bowl tapers off a little bit mm-hmm. the next season. Yeah. I don't. I think they'll make the playoffs, but I don't think they'll be that dominant self. I agree. I Kansas agree. City, I think, will be the powerhouse of the AFC. 
And I think Baltimore I tapers off as well, too. too. I think I, I think Baltimore is not going to be as good. I'm going to say 10-6, and 9-7 with, with Baltimore. I, I agree with all of your points, really, so far. I because, mean, it, to me, it's just... Liam, I... I know you have to go at 7 o'clock, so I will let you go. Corey and I will finish this quick point. Um, thank you for coming on the show. And listen, Liam, hopefully by the time we're talking next, the Islanders have a win or two in the series. <laughs> Absolutely. And just before I leave, I just want to mention one thing. Uh, just for all the sports fans out there, today is the first day ever that the NFL, MLB, <laughs> NBA, WNBA, MLS, and NHL will all play on the same day. So I just leave you with a fun fact. Enjoy your talk about the uh, – the Jets and what, what their future holds, and I'll catch you guys next time. Right? Liam, Take care. before yeah. you go, today is that first day, but Sunday there's also history on that day. Sunday will be the first day that four professional sport leagues have playoffs. You have NASCAR. Everybody forgets about them. But, yes, NASCAR is considered a sport too. So NASCAR has playoffs on Sunday along with, the, along with the NBA and the NHL. So, Liam, we'll talk to you again next week. Hopefully the Islanders have a win or two by then. For sure. Thank you, guys. Take care now. All right. So let's finish our point, Corey. Yeah. Um, I don't think the 49ers are going to be that good of a team this year because teams know how to figure them out now. And the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they're just going to blow the league out. I mean, they are that good I, of a team. I honestly, I don't know who's going to stop Patrick Mahomes. He proved it over the, in the course of the And there's the a running back. He is virtually unstoppable. There's a running back that they just drafted, 31st overall out of yep. LSU, Clyde, uh, I yeah. took him because he, he he hasn't played a game, but he's, oh, yeah. he's supposed he, to be really good. He, I mean, they drafted him above the top prospects for a reason. He's going to get a lot of touches, especially with Damian Williams opting out. But, I mean, there will be upsets. There's always upsets in the NFL. But if there's one team that can go undefeated, it's not the Ravens, it's Jeez. not the Saints, it's the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes is not human. It, it's It's crazy. Do you think the Baltimore Ravens are going to take a step back this year? Uh, Personally, I do. I don't think they're going to be as dominant. I think ten and six and nine and seven. I have them at like ten and six. 10 and I'm, six. I'm scared to say that because I know they have a lot of talent, but, and I said this last season. I said teams will figure out Lamar Jackson. The Chargers did, and that every team is, and of course the they Titans didn't. Did. But yeah, until the playoffs, nobody could really figure him out. So I'm I'm going with that take again. Eventually, you're going to find a way to stop him, but. There's a good chance they, they don't. And I, I could be wrong, and I'm admitting that, but I'm going sticking to my gut. Ten and six. I, I don't think Green Bay games. I don't think Green Bay is going to have a good year this year. Um, because think about the confidence that's gonna mess with Aaron Rodgers. He's sitting there and they, they literally drafted a quarterback, I think it was in the first round. Yeah, but Aaron Jordan knows Love. Aaron knows who he is and and it's his it's his job. Same thing with the Saints. I don't think the Saints are going to be as dominant. Drew Brees is getting up there in age. But yeah. I think if there's one team that missed the playoffs last year. That is going to be really good this year, and I'm scared to say it. I think it's the Cleveland Browns. You know, the AFC North, I'd say the Steelers. It might be the Pittsburgh Steelers. That defense is really everybody Minka has a number one. Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt is a great duo. Joe Hayden. And they have depth. Cam Hayward, Joe Hayden, um, uh, Bud Dupree. I'm losing, uh, for some reason, the other cornerback. TJ Watt. Nelson. They have TJ Watt. Yes, yeah, TJ Watt, Steven Nelson. That, that team is very good defensively, and with Ben Roethlisberger coming back, although it's off of a major injury, it's off of, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age. You this know, could I be the year, that too. Team could be good offensively, and that defense wins championships. Pittsburgh might be the team, too, that says if they're 0-3, tank for Trevor. Hmm. Because wow. with Roethlisberger getting up there in age, you got to think about it, and yeah. they don't need a rebuild. They don't. 
I hadn't and, thought of that. And if they get a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, they could they could easily make the playoffs the following year because they have so many offensive weapons already. They have a wide receiver who I think is going to be really good in Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Juju Smith Schuster. Mm-hmm. They have you know James Conner. Yeah. They have Eric Ebron. So this is a good Pittsburgh Steeler offense with a good defense. And yeah. if they think that they're out of it, they get Trevor Lawrence. See, watch out. I think the problem with that is that they're almost too good to be in the hunt for Trevor Lawrence if he is a top prospect like he's expected to be. So, you know, it would be really – that would be a scary team to, for him to fall to. That and the Patriots, those two teams, where it's possible that they'd be in a situation. But I think that team and that defense will just win one or two too many games in worst-case scenario. You think there's a team right now with a young quarterback – who could potentially be in a, in a position for the first overall pick, like the Jets, the Jaguars, like the Giants, the Jaguars, I think the Jaguars, or the the Red, um, the Washington Football Team? Could they be in a position where where they have? I mean, Gardner Minshew obviously is probably going to be the starter this yeah. year. Could they really come out and say we, we're going to move on from a guy who we thought we had faith in? Because let's be honest here, they didn't draft him if, for that position. If though. the Jets move on from Sam Darnold, he's not a starter on another NFL team. He's not. He, neither is he's Daniel not going Jones. to be signed as a starter, but no. he could be. Neither is Daniel Jones. Gifted that Neither is Gardner Minshew. You know, neither is Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. So could the team potentially be like that, potentially come back and say, listen, we're going to move on from the guy that we thought we had all this faith in. And, and you mentioned it. Gardner Minshew is not a guy that they drafted to be the franchise uh, quarterback. Yeah, his, they signed Nick Foles. To be the starter, we all know how that ended up. Yeah. Now he's on Chicago, going to split time between Trubisky. But the Bears need a quarterback, too. Yeah. And I think they have a better year. Matt Nagy is too good of a coach. They have too good of an offense to just I think Trubisky receives too much hate, personally. I you mean, do? I don't... Do you hate him as much as you hate Sam Donald? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's, a, he's the worst quarterback in the league, although he's not... You know, a great quarterback. He took to a 12-4 record one year. Exactly, yeah. And I think, you know, he has he has this dangerous capability to run when he wants to. He He's he's not as bad as people may seem. He's not as inaccurate as people make it seem. I, I feel like he receives too much hate, although I don't think he's a great quarterback. There's a lot of things that could go right this season and a lot of things that could go wrong this season. I'm going to say right now, Coach of the Year goes to the Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores. All right. And I think Coach of the Year in the NFC goes to Ron Rivera. I think he's going to... People want to count the Washington football franchise out, but mm-hmm. they got a, a, a sneaky good defense. I guess so, yeah. Um, I'd say coach of the year. I, right now I have it as Mike Tomlin because I think that team will pull off a tiebreaker win for 10-6 and six in that division, and he'll, he'll really be shown through as a top coach. And in the NFC, I'd probably go Pete Carroll because I think the Seahawks will be very good. The only reason why I'm saying Brian Flores is because of what he did oh, yeah. last season. No, I, I completely understand. What Brian? That. I, I'm not I saying like that it. because you're a Dolphin fan, yeah, but I'm no, saying I that like because <laughs> Brian Flores took a team that was essentially going to go winless. And how many wins did they have? Six last year. Five. Five wins. That team had zero talent. And they they traded away their safety in Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. They have no wide receivers. They got rid of Kenny Stills. Yep. They had no quarterback. They had no offensive line, and he won five wins with that team. Yeah, and he and Chris Greer really turned it around this season to get more talent on the team. And imagine a team with virtually no talent last year, and now they have talent. I don't know what the ceiling is. Well, it's probably like 9-7. I, I, listen, 
I love Brian Flores. I, I, I really do. <laughs> and I, listen, I was begging the Jets to get Matt Rule, but you have to remember Matt Rule could win an NFC Coach of the Year too. Yeah. He's got the Carolina Panthers, and he did wonders with I think Teddy they don't can have win a, some games. I don't, I don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater. I think they have a Kyle Allen. Is that the guy's name that's going to back uh, up? Oh, no, they traded him to Did they draft a quarterback, too, or no? Um, they have Will Greer, I believe, okay. still, from last year's draft, who okay. I think... I don't think he's a terrible prospect, but he hasn't shown any really great signs. So it's Teddy's job right now, but... And Teddy's a good quarterback. He was a starter in Minnesota, oh. and then he had the injury. And they signed P.J. Walker from the XFL, okay. <laughs> who okay. was like a standout in the XFL. But listen, there's how. a lot of guys who I think could win Coach of the Year, but I, I, I love Brian Flores. It seems like the players want to play for him. Yes. Players yes. do not want to play for Adam Gates. If, that, if, that's one, if there's one quality of Brian Flores, it's that he, he, the players do want to play for him. And if there's one quality of Adam Gates, it's that. They don't. <laughs> I, I'm expecting a high-scoring game tonight with the Texans and, and the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. I think um, Will Fuller is going to be an absolute stud. I hope so. I, I think he was over. Him. I just put him in my fantasy starting lineup. I think he was undershadowed with the way of DeAndre Hopkins, but I think he was very good when healthy. Yeah. A very good deep ball threat, speedy wide receiver. Of course, it's hard to really shine through when there's a receiver. And now they have like Brandon Cooks. Hopkins. They have yeah, Brandon Cooks. He's. He Kenny will be Stills limited today. Kenny Stills, yeah, he's good. They have a lot of speedy wide receivers on that team. Speedy deep threats. All of those guys are really good. And so is Deshaun Watson. He's a speed guy too. Mm-hmm. You can't count him out of the conversation. And um, yeah, I I think it'll be high scoring. I think it goes to the Chiefs just because the Texans have a lot of holes on that roster. And you know, like I said, Mahomes is just unstoppable. But I'm just excited for football. Yeah. That. And I must add one last thing. Well, are there going to be fans there tonight? There will. The Chiefs and Jaguars are the only teams to have fans, fans. in the stadium. I know. For week one. The Jets and Giants don't play in New York. They play in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So if Governor Cuomo says we're allowing the Buffalo Bills to have fans in the state of New York, yeah. that does not apply that's, to the yeah, Jets that's and That's true. Giants. That's a funny little yeah. situation. But, yeah, the only two teams that are having fans this year are the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs. So I gotta let my dad know that because he was asking me this morning, and I said I'm pretty sure no, uh, uh, it's not full capacity. Uh, no, no, it's it's not full capacity by any means. But at least there will be fans tonight. I don't know what it'll look like, but it'll be cool to see some fans at games, you know. And just one last thing, we didn't talk about basketball at all, but the Celtics are going to Game Seven, so I must say, go Celtics. <laughs> It's interesting that we're talking about no fans because could you imagine in the Super Bowl this year? Oh, my gosh. It was right before. Imagine if they had to yeah. cancel it or something or yeah. have no fans. But we're talking about right now only two teams. Oh, we started talking about baseball, too. They're having a playoff bubble. That was a sign. Yeah. The Rangers are going to host a World Series this year. Brand new ballpark. Who's hosting the Super Bowl this year? Tampa Bay. That's in Miami. No, so, duh, duh, that's in Florida. Sorry. That's in Florida. So are the Jacksonville Jaguars who can have fans. Is there a situation here where there's a chance they could have fans? Keep in mind, it is open. Mm. Everybody talks about you want to be outdoors. So, Super Bowl, there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of media there. I think a lot. But hopefully by February, it's yeah, a, a, a lot little could change by then. I don't think it'll be gone by any means, but I think... There could be some fans, probably not full capacity. I'd say almost. It's hard to imagine. Full capacity. No Super Bowl show. 
You know, yeah. it, it will be hard to imagine things like that, but this is the reality we're living in right now. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. We so, just need to get through it. Will Pesic, Corey Picard, Liam Gonimer on this lengthy sensational <laughs> sports show today. 51 minutes and change. That is what it says on the recording screen. So we appreciate you guys for listening today, and we'll talk to you guys next week.